Thank you for listening to the Fields Brothers Show. Jeff, you know, I'm always in a little bit of a dilemma because I read some quotes on, uh, you know, statements that I, I just totally disagree with, that I, that I truly believe are about your own performance, not about what God has done for us. To me, they're very anti-gospel, but I don't want to spend all of our podcast beating up on everybody's quotes, you know, but yet I think it does help define the grace message or the gospel of grace to be able to explain that what a lot of people are saying to social media is, I don't believe is true. And we have a lot of quotes both ways. Yeah, we, and I love, and I've got one great one that I saw on social media that I love. I'm going to talk about later on. But um, anyway, so that's just always a dilemma. One of our concerns is that it's, yeah. that we, you know, we want to be clear enough to be understood and that yeah. there is, yeah. an, and Paul was very bold in pointing out errors and things yeah. like that. Yeah, he so, was. It says contend for the faith, you know, so which we, I think that in Jude. But I just don't want to come across, no, no, you don't either. It's like we're smarter than everybody else. We've got it all figured we're out. We're not? Because we don't. Well, oh. I, I'm, <laughs> there's right. some maybe. days, actually, I think maybe, you know, maybe so. I don't know. But no. So anyway, but we, anyway, there are, um, we have a book. We, we always, we, okay, we're trying yeah. to be more diligent about telling people we do have a book. It's on Amazon. It's called Breaking the Hex, subtitled Life with God After the Cross Killed Religion. Right. So it's a very specific and we believe unique message about how the cross changed everything. It's a very easy book to read. It's a quick read. We, it, one of our uh, niche markets is a book for men who don't like to read. Yep. So if you have someone that typically doesn't like to read, we've heard from several that kind of like yeah. this book, even though, because it is such an easy read. And men are used to in their men's Bible study yeah, groups. Yeah, so it's just kind yeah. of... That's really encouraging to hear. About it is. It actually is. Using that, so. And we have uh, email addresses. You can email us at uh, jeff at fieldsbrothers.com or roger at thefieldsbrothers.com. Tell us what you like about the program, dislike, questions, comments, whatever. Before we get too far, we need to talk about yesterday. We had a, that was a big day in, in your life and, and yeah. our family as well. Had a wedding. You were the yeah. father of the bride. I, well, before so. we get to that, one okay. other thing, okay? Right, okay. We, we don't want to fail to mention that real soon we're going to the conference, going to right. uh, Convention 220. We don't want to forget that. Baton Rouge, first weekend of April, yeah. April 5, 6, and 7. With Andrew Farley. We'll be speaking on Saturday morning of the conference. Yeah. And you go to Network 220, the number is 220, network2220.org to find out more about that organization and about their conference. And we'd Make love convention. to have you join us. So I'd love to meet you if you're a listener to the podcast. So anyway, yeah, I did have a big day so yesterday. yesterday. you were father of the bride. We thought we'd have another podcast before the wedding. Turns out things got busy this week. Not surprising, leading up to the wedding and other things yeah. going on. So we're, this is another podcast. We're almost live. So hopefully if our IT department <laughs> is on the stick, then we will yeah, be uploading big, yeah, this, <laughs> this podcast later today. So we're just a few hours, hopefully, from actually having yeah. a live podcast here. But um, so yeah. uh, so how was uh, how was your experience? I mean, from oh, what it, I can tell, everything looked everything fine. Everything went great. So. It, it really did. Everything went great. It was in Hyden, Kentucky, small town. You saw, and um, it was great. Had the reception, had the uh, service at a church, and then had the um, reception at the high school, and had a large a lot of people there. You know, there's a lot. My daughter Morgan got married to Troy Napier, so it's now Troy and Morgan Napier. And the Napiers, there are a lot of Napiers in uh, Leslie I County. A, I noticed a road. I wasn't really paying attention. Something Napier Lane. I oh, there's, there's a lot of Na- roads and na- lanes with that name in it. You know, the first thing, I had to pick up something for the, for the backdrop at Horton's Hardware. And so Horton's Hardware Horton's is downtown Hyden, you know. So I go in there. and <laughs> Horton's Hardware and Hyden. Yeah, Horton's Hardware and Hyden. So I go in there, and, of course, everything is just, I mean, 
To say it was a mess is a huge – you're really stepping over boxes to get around. But in the owner hardware. knows where every well, nut and bolt he knows is. Everything is there. So he asked me what I needed. You know, he goes, oh, yeah, well, we could use this. I got it outside here. So he goes, oh, it's outside laying <laughs> on the ground, you know. And so I said, yeah, I'm here for a wedding, and my daughter's getting married. We're from Lexington. He's marrying a local boy here. So I thought, huh, I'm going to do a little research here. I said, so you ever heard of Troy Napier? He goes, yeah, he's a good boy from what I've heard. You know, so he was very upbeat about him. So then later on, I told Troy about this conversation. He says, yeah, that's great. He goes, you know, I think I might be related to him. <laughs> I think everybody's related to everybody in hiding. So. That is. Now, this won't mean anything to people outside Kentucky and all this. But for Kentucky folks, do you know what U.K. football, I mean, we were in – Grand Central or oh yeah, Land yeah. for a Tim Couch. Yeah, he went UK. to high school there. They, right. they pointed yeah, that out. That and nice. I met several Couches. Couch is a big name there. I guess so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of Couches. I mean, the, I think the pastor of the church where we were at, his last name was Couch. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, and, I did want to ask you one thing about the wedding. I mean, everything, we enjoyed it. All went well yeah. and all that. But I did notice that, you know, at, at the reception when everyone gives their little speeches, had a lot of people say a few things, and you, you got to speak as the father of the bride. There was that one point where the rough and tough farmer, the one who's almost always in control, just occasionally gets a little bit gruff, started to crack just a little bit, started to choke up just a little bit one time when you were, you were giving your speech about your daughter, Morgan. Do you remember that? No, I don't. I'm you sorry. don't remember <laughs> that? <laughs> yes, I remember that. It was just a real tender moment. When, no, it was a kind of funny thing, really. We had a bed that was real far off the ground. You could crawl under this bed real easily. And so we moved into a new house, and uh, her mama made some chocolate chip cookies. And I think Shannon was there, too. We crawled under there and ate cookies. And Morgan just thought it was the wildest thing, you know, to eat cookies underneath the bed, you know. So she said, wow, you're the coolest dad in the world, you know. And so that was a great memory for me. And we were uh, – we were. Uh Enjoying the reception, also trying to keep up with the basketball, UK bas- yeah. Kentucky basketball game on our phone. So that was. I think it's safe yeah, to say that there, uh, so you know cell service is well. not strong in Hyden, Kentucky. I mean, it's a bit the, spotty. Then we finally discovered Wi-Fi, and it's like we're saved. Yeah. We found Wi-Fi. <laughs> Wi-Fi. So. The school had Wi-Fi. Yes, yeah, so we were able to with no them. password. We just had yeah. to give them their email so. address. But anyway, and we lost anyway. So anyway, so what have you got? Well, you know, I tell you one thing that hit me. And I don't have this. I heard another conversation about. Um, I forget it was on, on the radio, whatever, just about driving. And they were talking about how, you know, um, you know, you got to keep your eyes on the road and there's so many distracted drivers and all. And I just thought the analogy just hit me. So that's really, I believe, a pretty accurate description of what's happened in the church and with a lot of believers. We just don't keep our eye on the road. And I would say the road would be the cross and what God has done for us. And instead of really keeping focused on that, really in a, in a daily way, knowing that, it's all about what God has done for us. It is good news. It is about his grace. It's not about how di- uh, disciplined you are. It's not about your level of discipleship. It's not about how effective you follow Jesus. It is about what Jesus has done for you on the cross. That's the focus. That's the road in my world. And so when you get distracted by all these other things and whether it's you know even good things, I mean, lies are good things, whether it's you know, social justice things or whatever, which are fine. But when you start getting distracted by, you know, what am I doing to, to grow today? You know, what am I, how's my discipleship going? How am I, you know, it's like you're, you're a distracted driver and you're looking at the side, you're looking at the billboards, you're looking at your phone texting, you're just doing other things. And it began to hit me that there's a lot of statements in scripture about your eyes, mm-hmm. your spiritual eyes. And, 
you know, we've talked many times about Galatians chapter three, where he says in the first couple of verses that you know you that you know you're portrayed before you was Christ crucified, but you've taken your focus off of that. Um, we've talked about how you know in John three, the only Old Testament story that Jesus alludes to about his own crucifixion was the story of where Moses held up a serpent on a stick, and people looked at that to be healed from snake bites, and so all they did was look. And they got healed, and Jesus equates that with his crucifixion, that the Son of Man will be lifted up as the servant was lifted up in the wilderness. And there's always been a statement in James or in Matthew that Jesus made that I always thought was just kind of an odd statement that I never could put my finger on, but I think maybe this is the key to it. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. And I think it's something you're spiritualized, not talking mm-hmm. about physical eyesight. And so just what do, you, what do you see when you, you know, you think about your relationship with God, what are you looking at, what do you see? And I think that Scripture talks about, even it's always looking at the perfect law of liberty, James 1, talking right. about Christ. I mean, really, the perfect law of liberty is Jesus. Just keeping your focus, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And so anyway, that's just kind of my little nugget. That, that verse you just mentioned in Hebrews, I can't remember if I mentioned this last week or not, but the idea that I heard recently that word, uh, our of our faith is not even in the original Greek. It's faith. Huh. So looking into Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. faith yeah. Now that includes ours, obviously. Yeah, so yeah. ours is not incorrect. But that, well, okay, what you're saying reminds me too of Second uh, Corinthians three. That uh, the end of that after talks about you know where the, um, the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. But we, uh, the last verse of. Uh, Chapter 3, 2 Corinthians, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the yeah. glory of the Lord. And I thought of that the other day. A few weeks ago, you talked about the, this phrase of seeking God's face. Yeah. And that phrase is in the Old Testament. That's why I think that's a good contrast of old yeah. the New Covenant. In the Old Covenant, there was a seeking of God's face. In the New Covenant, we just behold God's face. Yeah. There's no longer a looking for him right. or anything like that. And he has been he's, unveiled. He's come. Like he's manifest himself. He's been revealed. Jesus made God very clear. And... Uh, so anyway, that's um, that just kind of hit me this week. I want there's one of the, maybe on the other side of the break. I want to mention one other thing that kind of ties into that before the we go in the next segment. On that same idea, and still in Saint Corinthians three, I uh, heard Ralph Harris say something this past week. Ralph Harris, uh, we'll get to meet uh, in Baton Rouge. Oh, He's cool. one of the speakers as well. He's written a couple of books and I really like some of the stuff he has to say. Another verse in that in Corinthians 3, Nevertheless, uh, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So a lot of times the reason we don't are not looking to Christ, there's a veil. And it talks about Moses. When Moses is preached, there's a veil. And so when there's that sense of law and obligation, we get our eyes off of Christ. But the, the statement that Ralph Harris made, and it's not an exact quote, but in general he says, The purpose of meeting together is, in essence, to take off the veil, to help each other take off the veil that hides Christ. And hmm. so the purpose of meeting together is to not delay, you know, guilt on one another and, and that. So whether it's a small group or a bigger group, that it's a taking off of the veil. And so we help each other see Christ. I thought that was pretty good. And it also made me think about, you know, that has nothing to do with the size of the crowd. You know, if, if we think that we really can't have a great service without a few hundred people there, or the bigger the service, the bigger the presence of God, then something's wrong right there. I think you'd agree with that. You know, I always love the fact that, you know, since you brought up the veil, that Moses' face glowed, apparently, according to the Old Testament, when he had an encounter with God. Mm -hmm. And so it was so bright, he had to put a veil over his face to keep from blinding people. Right. But the problem is the glow faded. Yeah. 
and he didn't want people to know the glow faded, so he had the veil there to cover up the fact that he was through glowing. <laughs> yeah. not, he wanted people to think he still had that glow, and that is a perfect and that picture still happens of today. the law. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like if you start off, I mean, it's a perfect analogy. You start off, it's all about me and my following Jesus and my discipleship and what I'm doing and my disciplines. You know, you can do that for a little while, and you just maybe, maybe you glow. Maybe you just radiate, I don't know, something. But then after a while, you cannot keep that up forever. It's and also so, true collectively. I was thinking yeah. too collectively in a so congregation. On, you have to hide that. You have to hide that. Yeah, I'm not quite as fired up with, about this as I was 10 years ago when or, I first decided to. Or a group be, has to come up with new programs, new gimmicks, new stuff to kind of keep everybody jazzed and everybody right. excited. It's kind of the, the glory is fading. The glory is fading because it's all yeah, about so, us. So you got to have a veil to kind of hide that. The, so, so, yeah, so that, that's a. Um, but now it says we don't need the veil. So, because now the focus is not on us anyway, it's on Jesus. So anyway. Actually, here just this morning, I attended a, a service this morning. I, I don't want to mention the congregation, but the sermon was actually pretty good, or very good, actually. And at the end of the sermon, I loved what he was saying about um, identity in Christ. And he was just several points, one right after the other, or you, and I forget all, the, all of them, but he said, you are complete in Christ, you are. And it's just saying a lot of good stuff, and he was just doing a great job of telling everybody of who they are in Christ and all this, and great, right toward the end of the sermon, and then, and I don't know who picked out the closing song or the kind of the they kind of have an altar call type of song, but the song was that chorus, um, "Holiness, holiness is what I long for. Yeah. Holiness is what I need." And then the second verse, "Righteousness is what I you know long for. Righteousness is not a need." I'm still thinking, does anybody notice the contradiction yeah. here? We've yeah. just been told in a beautiful, really great way, yeah. "You are complete. You are." He mentioned, "You are not condemned. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ you Jesus. You are right. You are in, and, complete yeah. in Christ." I think he said you're forgiven. He mentioned like eight or ten different things, and then right on the heels of that, we're being encouraged to pray. It's the it's the we have a longing. It's the longing. It's the it's the um, what was the phrase there? The um of uh, the faithless language of longing. Yeah. These songs of what I need, as opposed, to, and so it was a direct contradiction. You see, and that and that's a perfect example we've talked about is going around in circles. We believe contradictory stuff. We believe, oh, yes, Jesus has made us holy. He's made us righteous. He's cleansed us. He's forgiven us. He's given us a new heart. But, yeah, we still got along for holiness and right. Well, which is it? Yeah. And it's amazing that as Christians, we have learned to live with these contradictions. Yeah. We live. It's like, and if you don't go around in circles, people just don't like you. I mean, they don't. they like the fact that you're supposed to go around in circles. So if I say to people, well, I believe, you know, I'm righteous and God's man. That's okay. But the minute I say, I'm not going to long for righteousness. Then it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to long for holiness. I'm not going to, and I, I'm not try, striving to be a disciple, not striving to follow Jesus. Once you start kind of nixing that other end of the equation, and carrying out struggle to, with that. Carrying out to the logical conclusion yeah. about, okay, let's, let's be real I just here. don't want to go around in dividing. Which yeah. is it? Are right. we righteous or are we not? Are we forgiven? Are we not? Are we, just we holy? Are we not? We can't get away from that sense of still trying to feel like we have to motivate people to, to try harder. That's to do part more of the issue. And all this. And we so have to we, give them their step of action. We kind of want to. So we do end up doing both. Yeah, so we, we see those and all that. But that so, was anyway, there's. Now I've got. You know, I'm trying to c- collect statements that. And I have, may have to change this topic later or title for these. I'm calling them sappy religious mush. Okay, <laughs> this is 
just when people say things that, you know, maybe it's just me. Maybe you know what some of these, you know, what they mean, but I, I just don't know. Like, for instance, like what does it mean when people say, well, God gives his hardest battles to his strongest servants. In other words, if he thinks you can handle it, then you're going to get slammed with. I mean, is that what that means? So I guess it's what people, other people go through a hardship. You know, we want to have something to say yeah. kind of to comfort them. And so we come up with sappy stuff like so your that. Your problem is together. you were just such a strong servant that you got hammered with this. And <laughs> this is you, your reward. If you've been a little weaker, this may not have happened to you. I mean, we don't even yeah. think of the the conclusion or the, the end result of some of these statements. You know? well, what's your phrase again? Sappy what? Sappy religious mush. Okay. This is what we call SRM. Slap, just SRM. Slappy, sappy religious mush. And just what that means for me is just a statement that sounds great, sounds spiritual, sounds, you know, like it's devoted to God, but at the end, it it's either contradictory or it, I just don't know what it means. Yeah. And like another one is, so there, was a, there was a big thing going around social media that says, we have to forsake the world. Now, I'm thinking that there may be a statement pretty close to that in the scripture. I'm not sure what that what that is, but I, I thought, you know, I'm not totally... Love not the world. You know, love not, yeah, I love get, not the I world. I kind of get that. That is in the world. But forsake the world. You need to forsake the world. So what are we talking about? I mean, we're, we, you know, we're using a lot of stuff that uh, seems like the world invented. I mean, we're, using, we're fine with technology. You know, we're using cars and cell phones and TVs and, you know. We're, we're encouraged. I, th- I heard sermon one time that, you know, we're encouraged to be different. You know, not, and it is specifically said not to, you know, not to be separate. We are to be in the, he didn't use the word in the world, but not of it. But that's kind of what he yeah, was saying. No, I agree with you know, that. We are to be distinct. We are to be different. And then, I, but I found myself thinking, okay, what does that mean? Uh-huh. And what, how are we supposed to be Well, different? I can see, like, in, in attitudes and actions, I right. can see that. I, I, can, yeah. I believe that. But when they say you got to forsake the world, that's that sounds like I need to go move to an island to me. I mean, that sounds to me like forsaking the world. I mean, I is different than not loving the world. So yes, yeah, yeah, not loving the totally world. Totally rejecting. Right, I'm worship. rejecting society. I'm rejecting. What am I rejecting? I don't know. That just seems. John three sixteen seems to kind of have a different angle on that. For God so loved the world. Loved the right, world. Right. You know? So it's. Uh, well, but I realize that's a little different context there. The world, can, the word "world" can be used in different ways. I, I realize that. But well, here's another. Let me so, give you another one. Since okay. we're on this whole thing, another one. People always say, "We just need to go deeper." <laughs> and we and we've mentioned this once or twice before. But I, I thought, you know, what what do we mean by "go deeper"? Really, we need we mean we need to discover more stuff. You should be doing. We need to discover a deeper understanding. I mean, it may be that that's not a horribly bad bad phrase. I, I don't know for sure. I just don't know completely what it means i mean go deeper what does that mean we need to be more doctrinal we need to know more greek words what does that mean well that reminded me of something the other day uh, that i read I was just talking about that you know whatever gospel we present if it cannot be understood by children and you yeah. you yeah. you've spent many many years involved in children's ministry so you know this you know if, if our message cannot be understood by children then we probably don't have the right message right. that it and that's kind of a good test on and so you know if our if our theology is better grasped by those who are, you know, higher educated and higher intellect people, then that's probably not the true gospel. Yeah. It is not that complicated. Yeah, if you have to have an IQ of over 120 and have a college education to understand the gospel, then something's wrong. Right. And uh, you don't have to know Greek. You don't have to know Hebrew and all this to, to understand the Because really the gospel is a person. You know, it's getting to know right. a person. It's not a set of... 
principles. It's not a huge theological book. It is getting to know a person. And even a little child can get to know a, a person. And so the free gift of, of God's grace that is given to us through Jesus Christ. There is a simplicity to it yeah. that I think we both come to appreciate yeah. more and more in recent years yep. with that. Yep. Roger, I learned something the other day about a subject. And I, I'm guessing you don't know much about this either, so this may be somewhat entertaining here. Two of us talk about it, a subject that we know next to nothing about. But I think I, that there's a lot of stuff we talk about. <laughs> but I've, I've learned a little bit about it, so I may be, just be blind leading the blind here, but I learned a little bit. The... Um, Spent some uh, time uh, Friday uh, talking to a fellow at work, a friend of mine, about professional bass fishing. Are you aware of how big this whole thing of professional fishing is? Well, I know a couple of professional fisher, bass fishermen, fishermen, <laughs> fishers, people, people who fish for a living. I guess professional fishermen. I guess. Remember that song? I will make you fishers of men. Okay? Yeah, right. You probably did. You ever have a hard time stumbling through that song? Maybe, yeah, but, probably did. But, but uh, what? A, there's a deal in Knoxville this weekend. While we were sitting here, there's this huge event in Knoxville. It's kind of the beginning of their season. The Bass Master Classic is going on in Knoxville. And they these and he brought it up on his phone. I saw a, a live feed of what was going on in Thompson Bowling Arena. This is the main arena at the University of Tennessee. Play seats twenty thousand people. He said Sunday it will be today. What he was telling me this Friday. He said Sunday it will be full, and they have all these exhibitors with all the fishing stuff. But I saw they bring they're fishing in that river that goes right by Knoxville. Now they're not all fishing right there by Knoxville. It may be a hundred mile stretch. You know that includes Knoxville. And they're allowed, you know, how many fish they're allowed to bring in to weigh? No, no. five. They're allowed five. to bring five fish, and these so they fish, I guess, all day. Bring their five biggest fish, five biggest ones. <laughs> okay. So you get five that you think are decent size, and if you get one that's bigger than the ones, you know, if you already got five and you catch a bigger one, then you throw one back. You throw one back, and that's right? called culling. I've learned that term. Culling. C u l l i n g. That's called culling. culling. So when that's you get you a bigger th- fish and you throw one of the smaller ones in, okay. you're culling is what you're doing. All right. But I saw they, they 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 bring the boat into the floor of the arena. You know, they have these doors where you so can you, drive. So you fish in, in the with the river, river. you catch your got yes. your five biggest fish yes. and then you, you put them in your a little boat container. up to the truck and then yes. bring your boat and your yes. fish into the arena. Yes. So the back no, of the, the back of the boat, I'm sure there's a name for it. The back of the boat has this little cubby hole where you know they keep the fish. The fish are still alive. So there's water in this little cubby hole in the back of your boat. As you catch the fish, you put them in so this what, hole. So what, people in the it's like cooler. just watch you hold so, up your fish yes. and they applaud for yes, your fish? exactly. Wow. And so they drive the truck. You know, I guess they're, you know, their truck, whatever they pull their boats in, I assume trucks. They pull the boat right in front of the stage. <laughs> probably not an airplane, they, Jeff. Yeah, it's probably a truck. <laughs> they, uh, yeah, I don't think they're bringing them in on a yeah, okay. uh, Toyota Corolla was pulling them right, in okay. or anything like that. But And so they, they bring the fish in, they all the fish up, and they weigh them. And they announce what the weight is, and people cheer, whatever. And then they, he kind of grabs the biggest fish and holds it up. And these guys are dressed like NASCAR drivers. I mean, they've got the logos and well, sponsorships. Well, that's all what I was going to say. You know, bass fishing is a huge industry. I oh, mean, it is. Yeah. All the gear, the the boats. The, I mean, it's a lot it's a of money sport. in this. It's and I'm college. sure it's a high school and college sport as well. Now. And I now that I didn't know. Okay, so but I guess the there's probably some bass. Boat manufacturer that sponsors oh, this. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. there's you know, and you, and you in every. I did know that the fishermen all have their own sponsors. I think somebody puts money into them, helping that they'll win. They can stand up holding their. I don't know any. You know, in terms of you'll love this. In terms of organization and structure, it's a lot of similarities to the Professional Golf Association PGA Tour. 
where they have these events, you know, in different places so all this, year long. When so. they are fishing, on, are people allowed to stand on the shores and talk? <laughs> do, they, do they have guys holding have, up signs to yeah. say quiet? Do they have please? rules for the spectators like they have in golf? Um, I bet not. Probably okay. not because it's, you know, they're spread out among a, a, a much bigger area. Yeah. But the winner of this one this weekend, evidently, I think I was told wins about $300,000 for this one. Plus, they all have a sponsorship, so they get money from that. And they travel around like this is the beginning of their season. That'll go almost to okay. the end of the year. So, so how do you know? Okay, so, so so nobody they're not monitoring all these guys. So how do you know some guy isn't out there <laughs> and brought one from? Yeah, see him. How, how do you know he doesn't have like like eight of his friends out there fishing and they just put pull together their? You're, you are so uh, cynical. Well, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm just thinking. It looks like it'd be easy to kind of rig this, you know, but. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I would. You would think a farmer would know a lot about fishing. Yeah, you would think. But but there. So every farm, time I, I don't farm fish. Every though, every know. time I bring up a subject that is kind of in your lane, yeah, I would think with, my, okay, with well, farming you don't, you don't I, seem to know sorry, quite I, as much as one would think. I, I'll, I'll do some research on this. I, I admit I'm not much of a fisherman. So real quick, back to the wedding, or actually a couple different things. You said you bought. Uh, I heard you mention this yesterday. I was still confused. You bought three vests. For one event, so yeah, well, you, were, you, know, you were all dressed up, uh, you know, yeah. normal father bride. You had a nice suit on. You had a fancy vest, yeah. with a matching little uh, handkerchief sticking yeah, okay. out, and, and tying happened. all this. But okay. then you said you bought three vests. Well, you only yeah, wore one, so why did you buy three? Well, okay, well, <laughs> I was going to wear. I knew I was going to wear a dark suit, basically a black suit, and I had uh, I wanted a vest and tie that matched, and a little hanky thing goes in the pocket. And so I, I bought one that I liked, and it was kind of a silver black vest. Got that, and they said, well, that doesn't really match the color scheme of the wedding. I said, well, I didn't know that I'm the father, oh, but yeah. I was supposed to match the color scheme of I mean, the you wedding. you bought a vest without first checking Okay, what's yes, the I scheme. did. I'm sorry. Yes, I did. And so Not then like I said, well, it's got kind of a goldish look. So, okay, fine. I can live with that. So I ordered another one that had some gold in it. And then Tara, my oldest daughter, looked at it and said, well, it's, it's not that kind of gold. It's more of a muted. It's really more of a, a peach or pink. And I said, well, that's not gold. She goes, <laughs> so she showed me the, shows me the color. We got online together. I said, what about this one then? She goes, oh, yeah, I think that will work. So then we ordered the third one. And it came in, oh, yeah, it's perfect. So that was my third one. So it was kind of a, a – I guess – I mean, there's different shades of pink, really. But to me, it's pink. It's a pink tie, pink vest, pink thing. Kind of you know, black I was thinking peach. But well, it's know. not really a peach either. It's kind of between pink and peach maybe. But anyway, it worked. Um, and I just said, I don't think anybody's ever going to see me in this color again. So I'm donating this vest and tie to charity when we're done because uh, well, I'm never wearing this again. What charity needs a a bow tie? It was a joke, Jeff. I was just trying to make a joke out of it, but that's all. I'm not <laughs> goodwill. I'm going to tell you to give it to goodwill. You know, I'm sure. Oh well. Okay, we will get up on I'm that. I'm just so. saying, I'm, my point, Jeff, was I'm not going to be wearing pink vests on a regular basis. That's all I was trying to get at. So, but it was a great, great, great day. It is, what other quotes? You said something about, you said well, you had some Here's my favorite quotes. new quote. This, this is going all over social media, and I love this quote. It says, religion says, colon, I have sinned. Dad is going to kill me. I think I saw this. The yeah. gospel, yes, yeah, going all over the place. The gospel says... I have sinned. I need to call dad. Yeah, that is good. That's a pretty clear distinction. I like that. All right, I want to write this down. The here. difference so, so is, yeah, religion uh, says I've sinned. Boy, dad is going to kill me. I'm, I'm toast now. But the gospel, the good news of the gospel says I've sinned. I need to call dad. So the difference between the religion and the gospel, and this nails it, 
is that in religion, you tend to run from God. You know, I've messed up. I'm in trouble. It does not see that Jesus has paid for your sin, does not see that you've been made righteous or cleansed. So now you've got to get away from God because you're really hiding the fact that you've messed up. Where in the gospel is that really attracts you to God because you realize more of your need for God and for what he's done for you. There's a, a book that reminds me of a book that I read a few years ago by John Lynch, who's also one of the main speakers in, in Baton Rouge, where we're going to be. So look forward to meeting him as well. But he had, one of his books is called On Your Worst Day. And, and the gist of it was that, you know, on your worst day, God is there. Mm-hmm. And, and, that, and we need to be there for other people on their worst day. Yeah. You know, so you kind of, that's kind of interesting to think about. If you think about your worst day, the most shameful day you've ever had, who are you comfortable around? Can you go to God at that yeah. point? Or not go well, to God, it's not the right word. You know, can well, you? One of the things I remember hearing when I was a little kid is, you know, you didn't want Jesus to come back on your worst day. It's <laughs> yeah, like it's all about timing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if he had come yesterday, I had a good day then, I'd have been fine. Missed but if he comes much. back on a bad day, then I'm toast. I mean, think of how crazy that is. I mean, how what kind of bondage is that, you know, where you think it's all about timing now. You know? And then that whole view plays into how we view Scripture. I mean, there's so many Scriptures you can view it one way or the other. You know, you can, we talk about it through the lens of the cross, which is part of this, but also the idea of do we, do we interpret the scripture from the standpoint of a God who's always kind of angry and half ticked off at us or at least frustrated. For me, it wasn't so much angry. It was just kind of disappointed and frustrated. Or do we um, bring that this morning? Well, actually a very good point from the sermon I heard this morning. It was a passage of that is one of the, um, Revelation 2, one of the churches, to, one of the letters to the seven churches, uh, Pergamum. I have to admit, I was a little rusty on um, my memories of the letter to the church I'm a little, of I'm a little disappointed in you, Jeff. But, <laughs> and, uh, but the idea that uh, Jesus said to those that overcome, which I think is all those in Christ, because we overcome in Christ, he will give um, manna, which was the sustenance or provision, and also a, a, a stone and talks about a name that no one else would know. So the idea of personal that it's yeah that god gives us a name and that's not that, that, that's kind of cool. i thought that was yeah, really good cool. that then he pointed out you know god renamed it's interesting god have you ever thought about that god renamed a lot of people in the bible i don't know about you know several anyway you know abram abraham saul paul and there was others well i forget all those i'm not in the renaming saul but, to paul camp i, I don't think that's what happened but <laughs> well, that's another well whatever <laughs> okay abram to abraham you give me that <laughs> that was a good okay. and, and, and or uh, uh what um uh, Jacob to uh, Israel. Okay, okay, right, yeah, yeah whatever yeah. works for you. Okay, there. But, but Paul yeah. was his Greek name, but Saul was okay, his Hebrew yeah, okay, name, but, that's but, all. Okay, but right. so recognized one way or the other. But yeah. anyway, the idea that, that perhaps God has a unique name for each one of us that nobody else knows. Right, yeah, that is And cool. um, so I thought that was pretty good. Jeff, here's, here's a quote that was big on social media, and I, I took obse- uh, exception to it, and I commented. Nobody commented after that, but... Um, somebody said, well, the message of biblical Christianity is not God loves me, period, as if I were the object of our as if we were as if we were the object of our own faith. The message of biblical Christianity is God loves me so that I might make him his ways, his salvation, his glory and his greatness known among all nations. God is the object of our faith and Christianity centers around him. We are not the end of the gospel. God is. Now, there's a whole lot packed in that statement, yeah. but the, the takeaway from that I think is clear is that you know, you're know you basically – God loves you because of what you can do for him. God loves you is just so that I might make his ways known in salvation. So the idea being that – and that's what I said. I said, so God is not really a loving father or a good father who loves us unconditionally. 
He's really more like an employer who loves us because he has chores he wants to get done. And that really does, I think, to me, was a change in how I viewed God. You know, I did view God, even though I knew theologically he was a father, I viewed him as an employer who just had stuff for me to do. And I don't think that's the gospel. There, There is a... Uh, common, I don't know about common, but you know, I've heard a thing, and, and I understand it—the idea that it, you know, we can be self-centered in in the gospel and think too much of ourselves and what God has done for us. And if you start emphasizing it's about what God has done for us, you know, that kind of some people you kind of get nervous. And okay, wait a minute, this is starting to sound kind of a too self-centered, too man-centered, and not enough, yeah. or you know, God-centered and all this. Right. Which I you know I understand to that, some degree you know that, that's there's a certain element to that but I mean what comes to your mind when, well when what, what I when I say when I say it's not about what, what we do for God but what God has done for us what that says to me is we need God and yeah. that we're needy and that we need His grace and His love not that I'm so special that it's all about me but that it's so amazing how much of this is all about God it's about God's goodness and who God is that I mean anything that happens. Through me, it happens because God works through me, not because I'm trying to be something or I am something. And so, to me, it puts the focus on God when I when I yeah. you know say the gospel is about what Jesus has done for us, not about what we do for Him. To me, that puts the focus on Jesus. Uh, I've heard some things. One, I remember one time, been a number of years back, heard a talk that it, it kind of left left the impression that if you start thinking about all that God has done for you, that you're off target. You know that. That yeah. you need to start thinking more, and it's. Yeah, I disagree um, with that. I mean, I, the um, one thing I've heard you mention before, and I heard um, uh, Alan Ryan had a little blurb the other day. I thought it was really good. He said something again. Uh, you've talked about, it, but he said that his line was Christianity is not so much about you serving God, but rather God serving you. And really John is. thirteen, the upper room, he well, said, you know that he served, he washed there, and it's, it's like you said because of need. Well, I mean, Jesus said it point blank: I "Son can, of man came came in the world not to be served, but to serve." And like my, our friend Bruce told us, yeah. you know, Jesus never revoked that. He never, he never rescinded that. that. He never said, okay, from this point now, it's about you serving Jesus. And it's not. It's about the fact we needed to be served Cause, yeah, cause because we, we are needed. We are the ones we, in need. Yeah. We are the ones who needed God. We need God. God doesn't technically need us. I mean, he loves us, but he doesn't need us in the same way that we need him. And that, you know, the whole First Corinthians 13 in the love chapter um, you know that, that describes love and and God is love and the, you know the parts of that and uh, I think I probably read it at the wedding yesterday but um, the idea that does not behave really does not seek its own um, is not provoked thinks no does not you know is not envy is not puffed up um, this is a scripture yeah, out of First Corinthians, First Corinthians thirteen, 13 about the, love. the love chapter yeah, yeah. Uh, but does not seek its own so you know God is not. You know, love is so amazing that's what it, yeah. we just cannot comprehend or without divine revelation we cannot comprehend that god is not all that interested in himself yeah and, and, and see to me that's what the, the parable of the prodigal son nails i mean crystal clear for me the, the the son who ran away and the older son who stayed home both saw themselves as employees really mm-hmm. of their dad they he was they just thought they were around there to work on the mm-hmm. farm and so the son has this speech, hey, dad, if you just take me in, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll work for you. Just be like one of your servants. And the dad didn't care about that. He just brought him in and celebrated his return, loved on him, you know, kissed him, put a robe on him. You know, he just wanted his connection with him. He just wanted to love on his son. 
And it was never about, okay, now that you're back home, we have some chores we need to do here. But that's the way people present the gospel so many times. Well, you come to God because he has big things for you to do. And we say this meaning well. We say, you know, God has big plans for you. We mm-hmm. want, we believe in that God has great things in store for you. Well, I mean, just to know the God of the universe is a great thing in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you accomplish anything that people can point to and say, that was pretty cool that you did that, is not the issue. The issue is, it is a great thing when you can know the God of the universe personally. The Ephesians talks about all the blessings that are ours in Christ, but then in three times it says, for the praise of his glory. So the two end up just yeah. totally intertwined. Yeah. In there. And I think a lot of this can be, it's helpful when we remember the father-little child relationship. Yeah. You know, little child, Abba Father, you know, that's a little child, you know, they... You know, as a father and now a grandfather, you know, I'm, I just want them to know that they're loved. I got to see some of them yeah. this morning. And, you know, I just want to be able to hold them. And, but and, the reason you love them, Jeff, because you want them to grow up so they can mow your lawn later. Because <laughs> right? so, they need to be serving you. And so that's really the why you love them. Just that's why you have kids. That's that's not why, oh, that's I'm getting confused. Kids <laughs> yeah. and grandkids. Okay, I got it. So, maybe, okay, maybe that's the analogy then. You know, <laughs> we, uh, we think of God as the father when he's more like, no, that, that starts breaking down too. But, yeah. but I mean, I, yeah. So, what? But we do view that, you know, that yeah. God wants children so he can help around the farm. And that was true in a lot of you're, – you're a farmer, so but you didn't get into farming Thank later. You, Thank yeah. you for saying that, Jeff. You <laughs> finally admitted yeah. it. Okay, let's flag this, yeah. bit of this podcast. You didn't get into farming until later in life, though. Uh, but so, you, yeah, you, you kind of – yeah, you messed up that timing. Your kids were grown and gone I by know. the time you got I into know. farming. But, yeah. but that is a um, – so I think a little child, though, that dependent, that, you know, we view God that way. It's a, it's a um, cynical view of God so, in my mind. Yeah. Well, God, yeah, but it's because he's got stuff for you to do. That's why. He, I mean, that's what we're saying to people over and over and over in churches and throughout social media, sermons, songs. God just has stuff he needs done. And that's why he wants you. That's why he's brought you into the kingdom. He's got jobs to do. And who's going to do them if you don't do them? And you've got to get in there and do your well, part. See, what I read some of this the other day, too, along these lines, is that we kind of have one message for unbelievers right. and a different message for believers. Right. It's kind of a bait and switch. Oh, it's totally. Everything is totally free. It's by grace. Don't have to do anything. But then once you're in the family, yeah. okay, yeah. now let's have a little talk. Well, it's like we said a couple of weeks ago. It's like salvation's on credit. It's free, yeah. but now you got to make payments. Right. We got you in this deal. Now you got to start doing stuff to pay it back. And the idea of being able to live and enjoying, or you know, the the uh, subtitle of our book, you know, life with God. Of and we we talked about a lot of things in that subtitle. Yeah. We, we talked about you know enjoying God or relaxing with God or I feel. I mean, we came up with fifteen different subtitles. We ended up with life with God. We wanted to people know with a title like breaking the hex. We wanted to make sure people know that this was yeah. a. Yeah. We were we're okay with God, you know. This is we're on God's side, or you know, this type of thing. It wasn't some weird book, but that uh, that we can enjoy God in our day to day life in the relationship as a father without that pressure of religious obligation, and that He will produce in us, and when yeah. you can just relax with that. Right. One. I, I, I'm gonna drop a bomb, okay? That, w- that I like to talk about in the next podcast. So okay. I'm gonna do this as a podcast because right. okay? you made me think of it. And here's how here's how I like to say it, okay? Because we talk about. A lot of stuff that relates to this, but I would just like to say I don't do anything I don't want to do. 
So you don't want anything you don't want to do. Well, I don't, if I don't want to do it, I don't do it. I guess it depends on how you, how you phrase don't yeah. want to do it. And I'll but be glad to explain more of that so. probably in the next podcast. <laughs> but I don't want to. If I don't want to do it, I don't do it. I do what I want to do. So you can ponder that. So you, okay. Well, well yeah. Well, I'll, I mean, I'll you can comment on it now if you want to. I'll expand on it later on another podcast. But and I, I, and I, I don't want to explain that. I could explain it, but I don't want okay. to right now. Okay. Well, we'll just leave that hanging there. Just leave it hanging. Kind of like the old TV shows that, yep. you know, so the, the girl is strapped to yep. the railroad tracks and the train is coming down. Or that's that, a little that. dramatic, I guess. <laughs> it's not quite like that. That's where my mind goes. Okay. That, so so okay. anyway. Congratulations, Father of the Bride. Yeah, yeah, it was a great day. So going back there, yeah, great day. And congratulations to Troy and Morgan. Well, Jeff, I love Morgan, love Troy. I am kind of glad the weekend's over. Everything went well. It was a lot of work and, you know. Yeah, I made the kind of trees. I wouldn't want to go to a wedding every weekend. No. You know, it is a, no. let alone, of course, we weren't. We didn't have any responsibilities other than just to show up here. Yeah. But, yeah, but weddings can be, of course, you it see it. two hours there. away. I mean, it's a little bit dry. Uh, yeah. But I got to meet a lot of Troy's family. Very cool, man. Very cool folks. And uh, we were just very, very happy that um, two of them are married. One of my jobs was to take back all the gifts. So I had to go into her house this morning, and uh, oh. they left a key for me. And I, she got a lot of stuff. I mean, she made a haul. So they're gone for a few days, I understand. No, I think just I think just tonight they come back today. They're going to okay. take a real honeymoon in, uh, this summer. They just, I think they went to Asheville, North Carolina, to build more. So you got... You got a tour coming up at the wedding farm here in a few yeah, minutes, yeah, and then the what, trying to do this stuff after the wedding, yeah, after the tour there. Up, yeah. So yeah. hopefully get this uploaded tonight. Yeah.